First, fast, accurate. Rochester's news, weather, and traffic station. News Radio, Good morning. It is 10 o'clock, sunny and 61 in downtown Rochester. I'm Todd Halliday on News Radio WHAM 1180. This news is a service of Rochester Regional Health. Fired FBI Director James Comey is about to give his much anticipated testimony to the Senate Intelligence Committee. We have two reports. First from Steve Dorsey. It's the hottest ticket in town. Security has tightened around the Hart Senate Office Building, where the hearing will play out as visitors. Line up outside to claim a seat. Spectators began lining up just after midnight. Meanwhile, some bars have opened early for folks who want to watch the hearing on TV over morning drinks. Comey, we know, will detail several conversations for those senators, including a January dinner at the White House, where the president asked him if he wanted to stay on as FBI director and told Comey point blank, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Comey said the two then simply looked at each other in silence. That's correspondent Nancy Cordes. President Trump will be giving a speech around the same time that James Comey testifies. Trump will be speaking at a luncheon hosted by the Conservative Faith and Freedom Coalition. Meantime, the Washington Post reports Trump has not ruled out tweeting about some of Comey's testimony. We will have live coverage of the Comey testimony during the Bob Lonsbury show starting soon. There's also a link standing by to a live video stream at wham1180.com. Investigators are hoping to learn more today about what caused the death of a woman whose body was found down an embankment in Penfield. A passerby found that body yesterday along Old Browncroft Boulevard. And Major Lou Tomasetti says the case is being described for now as an unattended death under unusual circumstances. Anytime we have a, a case like this, we look to see if there's any houses or, in this case, a business up the street. Uh, we look for surveillance uh, equipment, cameras, uh, you know, on the restaurants. We'll talk to neighbors uh, or people that may be, you know, visiting this area. Tomasetti says the body had no obvious signs of trauma. Rochester Judge Leticia Estacio has another court date this afternoon. A hearing is set for 1.30 on the charge that she violated a condition of her DWI sentence by failing to take a court-ordered urine test. Yesterday, a judge upheld another judge's previous denial of bail for Estacio. Prosecutor Zach Maurer spoke after that hearing. It's not punitive, though. Again, the standards for somebody who's already been convicted of a crime are different than somebody who is still standing trial. Um, the fact that Judge Aronson was clearly offended and upset by some of the behavior, um, I don't think that that in any way impacted his decision. Astacio has spent three nights in jail. A bench warrant was issued after she missed a court date last week and she was arrested Monday. Republicans in the state capitol are demanding that ethics reform legislation be approved this year. And State Assembly Minority Leader Brian Cole wants more transparency on how state money is being spent. We had called for procurement reforms and ethics reforms. Here we are a year later and neither have taken place. Since then, governor's top aides have been arrested, programs corrupted, nothing has changed. Kolb says ethics reform has been languishing in the Democrat-controlled assembly and less than three weeks now remain in this year's legislative session. Congresswoman Louise Slaughter speaking out against a pending bill in Washington that would scale back much of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform Act. She says Dodd-Frank is working pretty well for something Republicans say has hurt the economy, and she notes there have been 80 consecutive months of job growth. More than 16 million jobs have been created. Business lending has been increased by 75 percent. There, I'm not getting all the complaints that I used to get that they could not borrow money from banks, particularly the small businesses. Updating our top story, James Comey has arrived in the Senate hearing room. We'll have live coverage momentarily. News Radio Wham 1180, time 10.03.
News Radio Wham 1180 Traffic. Right now, an accident in Gates from the Salino and Barnes Traffic Center. If you've been hurt in a car accident, don't wait. Call 8. In Gates, Buffalo Road at Horatio Lane. Police are on scene of an accident there. Also in Greece on Festner Road at Vintage Lane, there's a crash. And in Clarkson on Monroe Orleans County Line Road at West Ridge Road, police are on scene of an accident there. I'm Jeff Wise for News Radio Wham 1180. This report is brought to you by Coley's Cafe in Eastview Mall. Shopping at Eastview Mall? Be sure to visit Coley's Cafe and Eatery, a fresh food alternative offering wraps, salads, soups, and even smoothies. It's the perfect place to relax and refuel with friends. Coley'sCafe.com. Trending on Wham 1180. Director Comey testified in public. Get the latest news feed at the top and 30 minutes past the hour. Watergate pales. The president will have a good day today. What happened? Stay informed. I have never been pressured. By staying connected. Prove it. Follow those stories and more on News Radio Wham 1180. Hey, not just anybody. Hey, you know I need someone. 3200 PSI Karcher Pressure Washers, under 300 bucks. That's a $50 savings. Get yours while they last, only at HEP Sales at North Main Lumber. News Radio Wham 1180 Weather, brought to you by William Matar. Hurt in a car? Call William Matar. The weather for today will continue to see a lot of sunshine for much of the day. Beautiful day for us with high temperatures a little bit warmer than yesterday, back into the mid-70s. For tonight, mainly clear skies. We'll see lows in the mid-50s. And for tomorrow, mainly sunny skies. Highs again in the mid-70s. Into Saturday, still some sunshine, just a very slight chance of a shower. Upper 70s for highs then, and then mid-80s by Sunday. From the 13-WAM Weather Authority, I'm meteorologist Marty Snyder on Rochester's news, weather, and traffic station, News Radio WAM 1180. Downtown, it's sunny and 61. Checking the News Radio WAM 1180 ESL 30-minute ticker. The Dow is up eight points. The Nasdaq's down two. We switched now to live coverage of the Senate hearing room. The chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, North Carolina Republican Richard Burr, is making opening remarks at the James Comey hearing. And your state of mind. I very much appreciate your candor. I think it's helpful as we work through to determine the ultimate truth behind possible Russian interference in the 2016 elections. Your statement also provides texture and context to your interactions with the president <clears throat> from your vantage point and outlines a strained relationship. The American people need to hear your side of the story just as they need to hear the president's descriptions of events. These interactions also highlight the importance of the committee's ongoing investigation. Our experienced staff is interviewing all relevant parties and some of the most sensitive intelligence in our country's possession. We will establish the facts separate from rampant speculation and lay them out for the American people to make their own judgment. Only then will we as a nation be able to move forward and to put this episode to rest. That is, several uh, outstanding we'll pod that down just a little bit, uh, keep it playing in the background a little bit. That's Richard Burr, as uh, uh, Todd told us, the chairman of this uh, Senate Did Intelligence Committee. Uh, we will pick it up as Comey uh, has his say. He's the one who's truly bringing information to this. The others are pontificating. Uh, uh, this news uh, just out from our friends at Channel 13 and at the Democrat Chronicle, uh, Ed Fiondock has been subpoenaed uh, to testify at this hearing this afternoon for Leticia Stasio. He has been subpoenaed to testify as a witness uh, against her. Now, uh, there are limitations as to what uh, he can say because of the attorney-client privilege, 
But I believe that one of the assertions of Mr. Fiondok is that um, his client uh, may not have known that she had a uh, alcohol test she had to take. He said that he left a voicemail for her, um, and he argued, but that doesn't mean that she got the voicemail, so she may not have known. And whether the prosecution, uh, this Zach Maurer, the assistant district attorney out of uh, Ontario County, wants to get all of that down and under oath or, or what. But I think if the issue is, why did you act in this way in regard to your obligations to the court, then asking under oath questions of her lawyer, who was her liaison with the court, actually does make pretty good sense. And uh, also, it takes Mr. Fiondak, who I, I have respect for, but it takes him out of the loosey-goosey, you can say anything you want to in the hallway, and puts him on the stand and under oath in an environment where you've got to mind your P's and Q's and say exactly what's what. Um, when you are a witness, you have a whole lot less latitude than when you are uh, an advocate or, or a lawyer. And so uh, we'll see what is uh, uh, said. This proceeding this afternoon, uh, 1.30, when it kicks off, uh, 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 involving Leticia Stasio, um, it has to do with her uh, a declaration of delinquency, i.e., she did not... Um, uh, she did not do what she was supposed to do uh, as part of the, you know, punishment that came out of her DWI. So, I mean, the judge offered her, as you recall, 45 days in jail, two years probation, six months with an ankle monitor. Um, the uh, uh, top Republican on this Senate Intelligence Committee has just uh, completed his opening remarks. Uh, now it goes over uh, to uh, Senator uh, Warner the uh, vice chairman and uh, ranking uh, Democrat on the committee, and he's going to make his uh, remarks. And uh, Mark Warner, a Democrat out of Virginia. And the deal is, uh, I bet you dollars to donuts, that the Democrat senators are going to embrace Comey uh, and what he has to say, and the Republican senators are going to try to attack Comey and what he has to say. Uh, uh, Senator Burr, the chairman, the Republican, uh, one of the themes of his remarks is, we recognize that you and the president have a strained relationship, um, which implies, you know, you have bad blood and maybe you're out to get him. Um, also, an interesting note from Burr's remarks is that he said in his opening statement that um, uh, that it, we're eager to hear what you have to say and, and we're eager to what the president has to say. I don't think that's a suggestion that the president's going to testify between the, before the Senate Intelligence Committee, but I think it does imply that there is an expectation that uh, President Trump ought to uh, give some response or reaction to what Comey has said. And personally, as a Trump voter and supporter, I hope that his response is something more complex than, oh, Comey's a, a, a liar and a nut job and stuff like that. I hope that there could be a nuanced explanation and perchance an, an apology. If I create the impression that I was trying to pressure him to do something, I, I apologize. And I promise that as president, I will never try to in, uh, influence a criminal investigation one way or the other. 
Listen, should we take a break now, do you think, and get some commercials out of the way? We've got opening statements. We're awaiting the uh, 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 testimony of this man, Mr. Comey, the former uh, director of the FBI. That's coming up live on News Radio Wham 1180. Welcome, riders. We're going to take you up. Temperature soaring. Drop you down. Power outages and down trees. Thanks for riding with your severe weather station. Storms are fast moving. Rochester's severe weather station. News Radio, Wham 1180. Attend a free high-bridge dental implant seminar and learn more about your dental options. From a single tooth replacement to a whole new smile, the next seminar is Monday the 12th at 6.30. Call 461-4949 to register. Learn more at rochesterhighbridge.com. It's the battle of the best two. Well, here we are, and i got to tell you, the managers have set a goal, and we're kind of on pace, but we might just be a little bit behind. So we've had to ratchet things up a little bit. They're pulling up their bootstraps, and Garber Honda is going to do whatever it takes to outsell you folks down at Dorshall. Kevin, I don't want you to get nervous when you see our guys walking around the lot with potato guns. And the face paint, these guys are angry. They <laughs> want your customers. They're going to be driving a Dorshall car before this is over because we're not going to be denied. Well, I don't know how they could be angry. I'm the one who's a little angry because you beat us the last time so we're the ones that are focused and the customers that are coming in are having some fun with it and yeah they're shopping us and that's what this is all about look at a dorsal look at a garber you know pick the car that best suits your needs but you the customer are the real winners smart customers just got to work the two of us but nobody's going to go home without a dorsal toyota uh, i've got a few of them going out the door with a couple of these garber hondas <laughs> we'll see. and you'll see yourself in a new garber honda or a dorsal toyota which one is best for you find out when you shop the battle of the best two Barber versus Dorschel on West Henrietta Road. Dan has a car repair shop. Pull forward onto the lift. New equipment will help him provide better service for customers. Keep going. Dan needs an affordable lending solution. That's good right there. With a business line of credit or term loan from ESL Federal Credit Union, Dan gets a low rate, mobile access to funds or to make payments, and helpful support to grow his way. This will be a simple fix. Apply today for a great rate. Details in branch, call 336-1000 or go to ESL.org. Membership subject to eligibility. ESL is an equal housing opportunity lender. Friends, are you taking Viagra for ED? Well, you could be paying too much. Now you can take Sildenafil, the active ingredient in Viagra, for just $2 per tablet. $2 for a 20-milligram tablet, saving $40 per dose. Marley Drug is a North Carolina pharmacy delivering Sildenafil to your doorstep. Go to MarleyGenerics.com. That's M-A-R-L-E-Y MarleyGenerics.com. Or call 1-800-578-1640. That's 1-800-578-1640. Have you heard of property tax lien certificates? Robert Kiyosaki and President Trump have written books on this fixed double-digit rate investment. Don't outlive your money. Protect your IRA from volatile markets. Invest in municipal-issued fixed rates. Call Cornerstone, a professional tax lien trading firm. Call 800-222-INFO. 800-222-INFO. That's 800-222-INFO. Tyler. And Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Hi, this is Paul Rogers on iHeartRadio. Just that easy. Open up the free iHeartRadio app right now and type in your favorite artist name to make a custom station based on all their biggest hits. Free! At this point, I use the iHeartRadio app every day. All your favorite music, all your favorite stations, all free. Download our free iHeartRadio app or listen online at iHeartRadio.com. 
the Wings are home this weekend. Friday features fireworks, a Byron Buxton lunch bag giveaway, and breaking B-Boy McCoy. Saturday has the Superstars and fireworks. Sunday features a baseball giveaway and a postgame catch with Dad. For tickets, visit RedWingsBaseball.com. The Lonsbury Show on News Radio Wham 1180 is sponsored by Rochester's favorite pizzeria, Salvatores.com. Spotless, clean, and local owner operated locations only at Salvatores.com. Well, welcome back, friends. Welcome back. Right now, in the uh, uh, committee room of the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee, the uh, Democrat uh, vice chair uh, of the committee continues uh, his opening statement, and I think maybe he's got a little bit of a TV camera disease because what he's doing is uh, uh, he's attacking uh, Trump like crazy on the issue of Russian involvement in the campaign and the subsequent investigation of it. And it's interesting because we, we can pot him all the way out, uh, Barry. Uh, we'll just keep our ear open for uh, Comey when he finally gets his turn. But this man, Warner, is interesting. He has spent the last couple of minutes um, it, going through the text of Comey's uh, opening statement and making specific references to it, quoting it, and drawing conclusions and making accusations based on it. So it's one of those deals where, at least to my way of thinking, it's the cart before the horse. Comey has come here to provide them information. He was asked to provide the committee with an advanced copy of his uh, uh, testimony, and he did. And yesterday, the Republican chair, Richard Byrd, decided to release that uh, opening statement, testimony of, of Mr. Comey. And, uh, you know, you, you wondered, did, every, did, did that happen in an effort to try to deflate today? Um, or did that happen because bigger stuff is coming today? At, at either rate, this man Warner, the Democrat, uh, who really seems to be just swinging a baseball bat for Trump's head with every sentence, um, he is going through point by point what's in the opening statement and um, uh, interpreting all of it as some uh, indictment of uh, Donald Trump. So, uh, you know, it, it pretty, I mean, he's, he's pretty negative, pretty angry, uh, and uh, he's, he's after Trump like nobody's business. But again, the cart before the horse thing, maybe I'm an idiot, but if you, uh, let's go to Comey. Is he, he just pushed back to his, his chair. The whole truth and nothing but the truth shall help you God. Please be seated. Director Comey, you're now under oath. And I would uh, just note to members you will be recognized by seniority for a period up to seven minutes. And again, it is the intent to move to a closed session no later than 1 p.m. With that, Director Comey, you are recognized. You have the floor for as long as you might need. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ranking Member Warner, members of the committee, thank you for inviting me here to testify today. I've submitted my statement for the record, and I'm not going to repeat it here this morning. I thought I would just offer some very brief introductory remarks, and then I would welcome your questions. When I was appointed FBI director in 2013, I understood that I served at the pleasure of the president. Even though I was appointed to a 10-year term, which Congress created in order to underscore the importance of the FBI being outside of politics and independent, I understood that I could be fired by a president for any reason or for no reason at all. And 
On May the 9th, when I learned that I had been fired, for that reason, I immediately came home as a private citizen. But then the explanations, the shifting explanations, confused me and increasingly concerned me. They confused me because the president and I had had multiple conversations about my job, both before and after he took office. And he had repeatedly told me I was doing a great job and he hoped I would stay. And I had repeatedly assured him that I did intend to stay and serve out the remaining six years of my term. He told me repeatedly that he had talked to lots of people about me, including our current attorney general, and had learned that I was doing a great job and that I was extremely well liked by the FBI workforce. So it confused me when I saw on television the president saying that he actually fired me because of the Russia investigation and learned again from the media that he was telling privately other parties that my firing had relieved great pressure on the Russia investigation. I was also confused by the initial explanation that was offered publicly that I was fired because of the decisions I had made during the election year. That didn't make sense to me for a whole bunch of reasons, including the time and all the water that had gone under the bridge since those hard decisions that had to be made. That didn't make any sense to me. And although the law required no reason at all to fire an FBI director, the administration then chose to defame me and more importantly the FBI by saying that the organization was in disarray, that it was poorly led, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. Those were lies, plain and simple. And I am so sorry that the FBI workforce had to hear them and I'm so sorry that the American people were told them. I worked every day at the FBI to help make that great organization better. And I say help because I did nothing alone at the FBI. There are no indispensable people at the FBI. The organization's great strength is that its values and abilities run deep and wide. The FBI will be fine without me. The FBI's mission will be relentlessly pursued by its people and that mission is to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution of the United States. I will deeply miss being part of that mission, but this organization and its mission will go on long beyond me and long beyond any particular administration. I have a message before I close for the, my former colleagues of the FBI, but at first I want the American people to know this truth. The FBI is honest, the FBI is strong, and the FBI is and always will be independent. And now to my former colleagues, if I may. I am so sorry that I didn't get the chance to say goodbye to you properly. It was the honor of my life to serve beside you, to be part of the FBI family, and I will miss it for the rest of my life. Thank you for standing watch. Thank you for doing so much good for this country. Do that good as long as ever you can. And senators, I look forward to your questions. Director, thank you for that uh, testimony, both uh, oral and the written testimony that you provided to the committee yesterday and made public uh, to uh, the American people. Chair would recognize himself uh, first for 12 minutes, vice chair for 12 minutes, based upon the agreement we have. Director, did the special counsel's office review and or edit your written testimony? No. Do you have any doubt that Russia attempted to interfere in the 2016 elections? None. Do you have any doubt 
that the Russian government was behind the intrusions in the DNC and the DCCC systems and the subsequent leaks of that information? No, no doubt. Do you have any doubt that the Russian government was behind the cyber intrusion into state voter files? No. Do you have any doubt that officials of the Russian government were fully aware of these activities? No doubt. Are you confident that no votes cast in the 2016 presidential election were altered? I'm confident. By the time when I left as director, I'd seen no indication of that whatsoever. Director Comey, did the president at any time ask you to stop the FBI investigation into Russian involvement in the 2016 U.S. elections? Not to my understanding, no. Did any individual working for this administration, including the Justice Department, ask you to stop the Russian investigation? No. Director, when the President requested that you, and I quote, let Flynn go, <coughs> General Flynn uh, had an unreported contact with the Russians, which is a, an offense. And if press accounts are right, there might have been discrepancies between facts and his FBI testimony. In your estimation, was General Flynn at that time in serious legal jeopardy? And in addition to that, do you sense that the President was trying to obstruct justice or just seek um, for a way for Mike Flynn to save face, given he had already been fired? Well, General Flynn at that point in time was in legal jeopardy. There was an open FBI criminal investigation of his statements in connection with the Russian contacts and the contacts themselves. And so that was my assessment at the time. Uh, I don't think it's for me to say whether the conversation I had with the President was an effort to obstruct. I took it as a very disturbing thing, very concerning, but that's a conclusion I'm sure the special counsel will work towards to try and understand what the intention was there and whether that's an offense. Director, is it possible that as part of this FBI investigation, the FBI could find evidence of criminality that is not tied to the, two, to the 2016 elections, possible collusion, or coordination with Russians? Sure. So there could be something that just fits a criminal aspect to this that doesn't have anything to do with the 2016 election cycle? Correct. In any complex investigation, when you start turning over rocks, sometimes you find things that are Amen. unrelated to the primary investigation that are criminal in nature. Director Comey, you have been criticized publicly for the decision to present your findings on the email investigation directly to the American people. Have you learned anything since that time that would have changed what you said or how you chose to inform the American people? Honestly, no. I mean, it caused a whole lot of personal pain for me, but as I look back, given what I knew at the time and even what I've learned since, I think it was the best way to try and protect the justice institution, including the FBI. In the public uh, domain is this question of the Steele dossier, uh, a document that has been around now for over a year. Uh, I'm not sure when the FBI first took possession of it, but the media had it before you had it and I, we had it. Uh, at the time of your departure from the FBI, was the FBI able to confirm any criminal allegations contained in the Steele document? 
Mr. Chairman, I don't think that's a question I can answer in an open setting because it goes into the details of the investigation. Um, Director, the term we hear most often is collusion. When people are describing possible links between Americans and Russian government entities related to the interference in our election, would you say that it's normal for foreign governments to reach out to members of an incoming administration? Yes. At what point does the normal contact cross the line into an attempt to recruit agents or influence or spies? Difficult to say in the abstract. It depends upon the context, whether there's an effort to keep it covert, or what the nature of the requests made of the American by the foreign government are. It's a, it's a judgment call based on a whole lot of facts. At what point would that recruitment become a counterintelligence threat to our country? Again, difficult to answer in the abstract, but when, when a foreign power is using especially coercion or um, some sort of pressure to try and co-opt an American, especially a government official, to act on its behalf, that's a serious concern to the FBI and at the heart of the FBI's counterintelligence mission. So if you've got a 36-page document of, of specific claims that are out there, the FBI would have to, for counterintelligence reasons, try to verify uh, anything that might be claimed in there. One, and probably first and foremost, is the counterintelligence concerns that we have about blackmail. Would that be an accurate statement? Yes. If the FBI receives a credible allegation that there is some effort to co-op, coerce, direct, uh, employ covertly an American on behalf of the foreign power. That's the basis on which a counterintelligence investigation is open. And when you read the dossier, uh, what was your reaction, given that it was 100 percent directed at the president-elect? Not a question I can answer in an open setting, Mr. Chairman. Okay. When did you become aware of the cyber intrusion? The first cyber, there's all kinds of cyber intrusions going on all the time. The first Russia-connected cyber intrusion uh, I became aware of in the late summer of 2015. And in that time frame, there were more than the DNC and the DCCC that were targets. Correct. There was a massive effort to target government and non-governmental, near-governmental agent, agencies like uh, nonprofits. What would be the estimate of how many entities out there the Russians specifically targeted in that time frame? It's hundreds. I suppose it could be more than a thousand, but it's at least hundreds. When did you become aware that data had been exfiltrated? I'm not sure exactly. I think either late 15 or early 16. And did, did you, the director of the FBI, have conversations with the last administration about the risk that this posed? Yes. And share with us, if you will, what actions they took. Well, the FBI had already undertaken an effort to notify all the victims, and that's what we consider the entities that were attacked as part of this massive spear phishing campaign. And so we notified them in an effort to disrupt what might be ongoing. And then there was a series of continuing interactions with entities through the rest of 15 into 16. And then throughout 16, the administration was trying to decide how to respond to the intrusion activity that it saw. 
And the FBI, in this case, unlike other cases that you might investigate, did you ever have access to the actual hardware that was hacked, or did you have to rely on a third party uh, to provide you the data that they had collected? In the case of the DNC, and I believe the DCCC, but I'm sure the DNC, we did not have access to the devices themselves. We got uh, relevant forensic information from a private party, a, a high-class entity that had done the work, but we didn't get direct access. But no content? Correct. Um, isn't content an important part of the forensics uh, from a counterintelligence standpoint? It is, although what was briefed to me by my folks the people who were my folks at the time, is that they had gotten the information from the private party that they needed to understand the intrusion by the spring of 2016. Let me go back, if I can, very briefly, to the decision to publicly go out with your results on the email. Was your decision influenced by the Attorney General's tarmac meeting with the former President Bill Clinton? Yes, in, in a ultimately uh, conclusive way. That was the thing that capped it for me, that I had to do something separately to protect the credibility of the investigation, which meant both the FBI and the Justice Department. Were there other things that contributed to that that you can describe in an open session? There were other things that contributed to that. Uh, one significant item I can't, I know the committee's been briefed on. There's been some public accounts of it which are nonsense, but I understand the committee's been briefed on the classified facts. And probably the only other consideration that I guess I can talk about in open setting is that at one point the Attorney General had directed me not to call it an investigation, but instead to call it a matter, which confused me and concerned me. But that was one of the bricks in the load that led me to conclude I have to step away from the department if we're to close this case credibly. Director, my last question. Uh, you're not only a seasoned prosecutor. Um, you've led the FBI for years. You understand the investigative uh, process. You've worked with this committee closely, and we're grateful to you because I think we've, we've mutually built trust in what your organization does and, and what we do. Is there any doubt in your mind that this committee can carry out its oversight role in the 2016 Russian involvement in the elections in parallel with the now special counsel that's been set up? No, no doubt. It can be done. It requires lots of conversations. But Bob Mueller is one of this country's great, great pros, and I'm sure you all will be able to work it out with him to run it in parallel. I want to thank you once again. I want to turn to the vice chairman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And uh, again, Director Comey, thank you for your service. And Your comments to your FBI family, I know are heartfelt, know that um, even though there are some in the administration who've tried to smear your reputation, you had acting director McCabe in public testimony a few weeks back and in public testimony yesterday reaffirm that the vast majority of the FBI community had great trust in your leadership and obviously uh, trust in your integrity. I want to go through a number of the meetings that you referenced in your testimony. And let's start with the January 6th meeting in Trump Tower, where you went up with a series of officials to brief the President-elect on the Russia investigation. 
My understanding is you remained afterwards to brief him on, again, quote, some personally sensitive aspects of the information you relayed. Now you said after that briefing, you felt compelled to document that conversation, that you actually started documenting it as soon as you got into the car. Now you've had extensive experience at the Department of Justice and at the FBI. You've worked on the presidents of both parties. What was it about that meeting that led you to determine that you needed to start putting down a written record? A combination of things. I think the circumstances, the subject matter, and the person I was interacting with. Circumstances first, I was alone with the President of the United States, or the President-elect, soon to be President. The subject matter, I was talking about matters that touch on the FBI's core responsibility and that relate to the President-elect president, president -elect personally. And then the nature of the person. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting, and so I thought it really important to document. That combination of things I'd never experienced before, but it led me to believe I got to write it down, and I got to write it down in a very detailed way. I think that's a very important statement you just made. And my understanding is that then, again, unlike your dealings with presidents of either parties in your past experience, in every subsequent meeting or conversation with this president, you created a written record. Did you feel that you needed to create this written record of these memos because they might need to be relied on at some future date? Sure. I created records after conversations, and I think I did it after each of our nine conversations. If I didn't, I did it for nearly all of them, especially the ones that were substantive. I knew that there might come a day when I would need a record of what had happened, not just to defend myself, but to defend the FBI and, and our integrity as an institution and the independence of our investigative function. That's what made this so, so difficult, is it was a combination of circumstances, subject matter, and the particular person. And so in all your experience, this was the only president that you felt like in every meeting you needed to document, because at some point, using your words, he might put out a non-truthful representation of that meeting. Now, that's that's right, Senator. And I, I, as I said in my written testimony, as FBI director, I interacted with President Obama, and I spoke only twice in three years uh, and didn't document it. When I was Deputy Attorney General, I had one one-on-one -on -one meeting with President Bush about a very important and difficult national security matter. I didn't write a memo documenting that conversation either. Sent a quick email to my staff to let them know there was something going on. But I didn't feel with President Bush the need to document it in that way. Be again, because of the combination of those factors just wasn't present with either President Bush or President Obama. I think that is very significant. I think others will probably question that. Now, our, the chairman and I have requested those memos. It is our hope that the FBI will get this committee access to those memos so that, again, we can read that contemporaneous rendition so that we've got your side of the story. Now, I know members have said and press have said um, that if you were a great deal has been made of whether the president you are asked to, in effect, indicate whether the president was the subject of any investigation. And my understanding is prior to your meeting on January 6th, you discussed with your leadership team whether or not you should be prepared to assure then-President-elect Trump that the FBI was not investigating him personally. Now, my understanding is your leadership team agreed with that, but was that a unanimous decision? Was there any debate about that? 
It wasn't unanimous. Um, one of the members of the leadership team had a view that although it was technically true, we did not have a counterintelligence file case open on then-President-elect Trump. His concern was because we're looking at the potential, again, that's the subject of the investigation, coordination between the campaign and Russia, because it was President Trump, President-elect Trump's campaign, this person's view was inevitably his behavior, his conduct, will fall within the scope of that work. And so he was reluctant to make the statement that I made. I disagreed. I thought it was fair to say what was literally true. There is not a counterintelligence investigation of Mr. Trump. And I decided in the moment to say it, given the nature of our conversation. At that moment in time, did you ever revisit that as uh, in, in these subsequent sessions? With the FBI leadership the team? team? Sure. The team. And, and uh, the, the leader who had that view, it didn't change. Uh, his view was still that it was probably, although literally true, his concern was it could be misleading because the nature of the investigation was such that it might well touch, obviously it would touch the campaign, and the person at the head of the campaign would be the candidate. And so that was his view throughout. Let me move to the January 27th dinner, where you said, quote, the president began by asking me whether I wanted to stay on as FBI director. He also indicated that lots of people, again, your words, wanted the job. You go on to say that the dinner itself was seemingly an effort to, quote, have you ask him for your job and create some sort of, quote, unquote, patronage relationship. The president seems, from my reading of your memo, to be holding your job or your possibility of continuing in your job over your head in a fairly direct way. Uh, what was your impression and what did you mean by this notion of a patronage relationship? Well, it, my impression, and again, it's my impression, I could always be wrong, but my common sense told me that what was going on is either he had concluded or someone had told him that you didn't, you've already asked Comey to stay and you didn't get anything for it. And that the dinner was an effort to build a relationship, in fact, he asked specifically, of loyalty in the context of asking me to stay. And as I said, what was odd about that is we'd already talked twice about it by that point, and he'd said, uh, I very much hope you'll stay, I hope you'll stay. In fact, I just remembered sitting here a third one. When you've seen the picture of me walking across the blue room, uh, and uh, what the president whispered in my ear was, I really look forward to working with you. So after those encounters... And that was just a few days before you were fired. Yeah, that was on the, 20, the Sunday after the inauguration. The next Friday, I have dinner, and the president begins by wanting to talk about my job. And so I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, three times we've already, you've already asked me to stay or talked about me staying. My common sense, again, I could be wrong, but my common sense told me what's going on here is that he's looking to get something in exchange for granting my request to stay in the job. Again, we all understand. I was a governor. I had people work for me. But this constant request, and again, quoting you, uh, him saying that he, uh, despite you explaining your in independence, he kept coming back to, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. Uh, had you ever had any of those kind of requests before from anyone else you'd worked for in the government? No. And what made me uneasy was, I'm, at that point, the director of the FBI. The reason that Congress created a 10-year term is so that the director is not feeling as if they're serving at, with political loyalty owed to any particular person. 
The, the Statue of Justice has a blindfold on because you're not supposed to be peeking out to see whether your patron is pleased or not with what you're doing. It should be about the facts and the law. That's why I was, that's why I became FBI director, to, to be in that kind of position. So that's why I was so uneasy. Well, let me, let me move on. My time's running out. February 14th, again, it seems a bit strange. You were in a meeting, and your direct superior, the Attorney General, was in that meeting as well, yet the President asked everyone to leave, including the Attorney General to leave, before he brought up the matter of General Flynn. Um, what was your impression of that type of action? And had you ever seen anything like that before? No. My impression was something big is about to happen. I need to remember every single word that is spoken. Uh, and again, I could be wrong. I'm 56 years old. I've been uh, seen a few things. My sense was the Attorney General knew uh, he shouldn't be leaving, which is why he was lingering. And I don't know Mr. Kushner well, but I think he picked up on the same thing. Uh, and so I knew something was about to happen that I needed to pay very close attention to. And I, I found it very interesting that in the memo that you wrote after this February 14th pull aside, you made clear that you wrote that memo in a way that was unclassified. Uh, if you affirmatively made the decision to write a memo that was unclassified, was that because you felt at some point the facts of that meeting would have to come clean and come clear and actually be able to be cleared in a way that could be shared with the American people? Well, I remember thinking this is a very disturbing development, really important to our work. I need to document it and preserve it in a way, and, and uh, this committee gets this, but sometimes when things are classified, it tangles them up. It's hard Amen. to share it within an investigative team. It's, you have to be very careful about how you handle it for good reason. So my thinking was, if I write it in such a way that I don't include anything that would trigger a classification, that'll make it easier for us to discuss within the FBI and the government and to, to hold on to it in a way that makes it accessible to us. Well, again, it's our hope, uh, particularly since you're a pretty knowledgeable guy and you wrote this in a way that was unclassified, that this committee will get access to that unclassified document. I think it would be very important to our investigation. Um, let me just ask this in closing. How many um, ongoing investigations at any time does the FBI have? Oh, going ten, on some, tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Um, did the President ever ask about any other investi ongoing investigation? No. Did he ever ask about you trying to interfere on any other investigation? No. Um, I think, again, this speaks volumes. This doesn't even get to the questions around the, the phone calls about lifting the cloud. Uh, I know other members will get to that, but uh, I really appreciate your testimony and appreciate your service to our nation. Thank you. That's the first two rounds of questions for this man, James Comey, as he appears before the Senate Intelligence Committee. We'll be back with you in just a moment on News Radio Wham 1180. This is breaking news from News Radio Wham 1180. CBS News Special Report. Thank you for inviting me here to testify. Today. Former FBI Director James Comey has just started speaking at a Senate hearing into his investigation of suspected Russian meddling in the presidential election and whether President Trump obstructed justice by trying to get Comey to let go of it. Moments ago, Comey said his firing came as a complete surprise. The President and I had had multiple conversations about my job, both before and after he took office. 
and he had repeatedly told me I was doing a great job, and he hoped I would stay. In response to a question from Republican Senator Richard Burr, Comey refused to say if President Trump had obstructed justice. In his opening statement, ranking Democrat Mark Warner said the way the president fired Comey was shocking. He called Comey's prepared testimony very disturbing. For example, on January 27th, after summoning Director Comey to dinner, the president appears to have threatened director's job while telling him, quote, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. CBS News Special Report. I'm Frank Setapani. The Pittsburgh Penguins, the Nashville Predators, Game 5. I'll never teach a Vegas thing. Tonight at 8 on News Radio, Wham 1180. For quality handcrafted Amish built hardwood furniture, you must visit Amish Exclusive. Their furniture is custom made right here in the United States and it will last a lifetime. Get the right pieces for your living, dining, and bedroom. Amish Exclusive, 2045 Empire Boulevard in Webster and 3711 West Henrietta Road. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-224-5353. That's 1-800-224-5353. 1-800-224-5353. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Imagine the summer sun shining through brand new crystal clear windows. Windows that were just $2.95 installed. Stop dreaming and do it during the Comfort Windows sizzling summer sale. Right now, windows start at just $2.95 installed. And all windows are on sale. Double hung, awning, bow, bay, you name it. Then you take the sizzling savings. The heat is on to save big on windows. Starting at just $2.95 installed during the sizzling summer sale. Sale. Only at Comfort Windows. Restriction supply. See Comfort for details. Comfort employs some of the best installers in the business. With years of experience and expertise, they work year-round installing Comfort windows, doors, siding, and sunrooms. That means a Comfort building professional is remodeling your bathroom or basement, constructing your deck, or insulating your home. For over three decades, Comfort has never used subcontractors, and they're not about to start now. In fact, many of the installers have been part of the Comfort family for over 20 years. Just one more reason why Comfort is the name you know, the people you trust. What if Alzheimer's wasn't the end? What if we broke the silence and asked for the support we needed from our family, our friends, and the community? What if, when Alzheimer's tried to disrupt our lives, we fought back? Learn how you can get the support you need to disrupt Alzheimer's at alz.org slash rochesterny or by calling 800 272 3900. What is the deal with cryptocurrencies and should you be investing in them? There's much more to digital currencies than just kids playing on the internet. Tune into Investing Sense brought to you by Financial Engines Saturday morning at 11 or visit investingsense.com. True story, one member just saved over 13,000 by refinancing their car with Advantage FCU. Radio Wham 1180 traffic. Right now, an accident in the city on Monroe Ave from the Salinaman Barnes Traffic Center. If you've been hurt in a car accident, don't wait. Call 8. 
In the city, Monroe Ave. South Union Street, police are on scene of an accident with injuries. Also in Greece, on Fetzner Road at Vintage Lane, police are on scene of an accident with an injury there as well. I'm Jeff Wise for News Radio Wham 1180. This report is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. From weekend getaways to road trips, this summer, you should worry about where your car will take you, not about your car insurance. With Liberty Mutual, you're covered. You can leave worry behind when Liberty stands with you. Liberty Mutual Insurance. News Radio Wham 1180 Weather, brought to you by William Matar. Hurt in a car? Call William Matar. The forecast for today includes a lot of sunshine for much of the day. Just a very beautiful day for us. High temperatures today will range in the mid-70s. For tonight, expect mainly clear skies, lows in the mid-50s. And for tomorrow, Friday, mainly sunny highs in the mid-70s. Saturday, at least a few breaks of sunshine. Just a slight chance of a shower, but mainly dry. Upper 70s then. And for Sunday, mainly sunny with mid-80s. From the 13 Wham Weather Authority, I'm meteorologist Marty Snyder on Rochester's News Weather and Traffic Station, News Radio Wham 1180. This report is brought to you by Tony the Roofer. Tony the Roofer has the experience, expertise, and commitment to make any roof project smooth sailing. No payments until the job is complete and a lifetime transferable roof warranty. Call Tony the Roofer now and save 10%, 288-9310 and TonyTheRoofer.com. Rochester's Traffic Station, News Radio, Wham 1180. Welcome back, friends. The uh, questioning now of uh, uh, James Comey continues. Uh, Diane Feinstein, uh, Democrat of California, is just commencing her interrogatory of uh, the witness it just completed Senator James Risch, a Republican out of Indiana. And uh, first of all, Risch, a former uh, prosecutor himself, um, uh, praised uh, Comey for this report that he turned in yesterday. He said it was clear and concise. That it was uh, contemporaneously prepared. And then he focused on what will end up being the legal defense of those who fear that the president may have uh, put himself in, in legal jeopardy. Um, when he says, I hope that you can see your way clear to uh, stopping the Mike Flynn investigation. The issue afoot is, did the president engage in obstruction of justice? Because, of course, uh, obstruction of justice is a high crime uh, uh, and a misdemeanor. It uh, would fall within that theoretically impeachable uh, category. And not, not to say that there would be any talk of impeachment. I don't know. But, but that's, what, that's the minefield that if you're pro-Trump, you're walking through. We don't want any evidence of a crime. And so this uh, uh, James uh, Risch, very intelligent man, uh, very comfortable uh, presence, uh, he praises the quality of the report that was prepared. He says, you wrote the quotes down contemporaneously, meaning at the time they happened. And then uh, he goes to Comey hard and he goes, the words, I hope that you can see your way clear. That's not an order, is it? Um, that, that it, 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 Comey says, no, those words aren't. And then Comey said that he took it as a direction that he understood that when the president of the United States in that context says, I hope you will, that what the president is really saying is, I want you to. Um, Comey said, I understood it, that he was directing me to drop this investigation. I did not do that. And then this Rish says, but he didn't say to drop the investigation. He said he hoped that you would drop the investigation. And it really will come down to that. And I think that Senator Risch telegraphs um, the uh, uh, Trump defense in this matter, which is 
Um, you can hope anything you want, but he didn't give an order. And of course, uh, Comey's interpretation was, this is obviously an implied order. And then, you know, individuals, um, and maybe the future of the country will depend on which interpretation of that you have. We'll get you some news. We'll be back right after on News Radio Wham 1180. Broadcasting from the NOCO Natural Gas and Electric Studios, this is News Radio Wham 1180, an iHeart Radio station. Hey, friends, Lonsbury here for Jimmy Z's Plates and Shakes in Brockport. Jimmy Z is taking his Galleria a grub on the road this summer. Plates, shakes, and so much more. Brockport's Jimmy Z's has been hitting the spot since 2003, and now they're on wheels. Graduation parties, corporate events, heck, even weddings. Let Jimmy Z's take your catering experience to a whole new level. Options for all occasions and sizes. Call Jimmy or Poppy at 637-7060 for a quote today. Find out why everyone is shopping and buying their RV at Myers RV in Churchville. Acres and acres of the nation's best RV brands from only $99.95 or $98 a month. Make certain you visit Myers RV in Churchville. Exit 3 off 490. Experience the difference. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-224-5353. That's 1-800-224-5353, 1-800-224-5353, or go to selectquote.com. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. If you're looking for a senior community that's like no other, look no further than the Village at Unity. Here, you'll find three exceptional dining venues, unlimited personal transportation, housekeeping, security services, and a host of other amenities designed to provide you with the worry-free lifestyle you've been looking for. So experience our hospitality for yourself. Schedule a tour by calling 723-7442. The Village at Unity, like no other. Hi, this is Rich Eyed, and I'm excited to announce the grand opening of our brand new Volkswagen facility in East Rochester. If you haven't been to our VW store lately, you won't even recognize it. And let's be honest, that old building needed some work. Well, done. Now we have a drive-in service center, a luxurious waiting area, a nice little cafe, and the Volkswagen showroom, amazing. So come visit us at Eyed Volkswagen of East Rochester. Check us out and maybe fall in love with a new VW. We'd love to earn your business. What do we love about the sun? In many ways, it's the same things we love about the children and youth of Mary Cariola. They warm everyone they touch, they chase away the darkness, and they burn perpetually bright. You can help them shine even brighter. We Will Shine, the campaign for Mary Cariola Children's Center, needs your support to make sure we're always able to help every child reach their full potential. With your help, we will shine, as sure as the sun. Donate at wewillshine.org. Ben owns a landscaping business. Guys, dump the mulch here. He doesn't always have time to go to the bank. No, not there, here. Ben could really use mobile banking to manage transactions, make payments, and deposit checks on one easy-to-use app. To your left. 
No, you're out of their lap. With ESL Business Mobile Banking, Ben has more time to focus on business. Looking good here. And you can too. Download the app today. Details at ESL.org. Text and or data plan fees may apply. Members must be ESL Business Online Banking users to use ESL Business Mobile Banking. Membership subject to eligibility. Cars donated to the National Kidney Foundation are tax deductible. And they save lives. Just pick up the phone and call one WHAM, Rochester. Get your new roof at TonyTheRoofer.com. First, fast, accurate. 